0: Welcome to another episode of Not Your Average Feminist, a podcast for feminists of the future. Today we are Not Your Average feminists, but tomorrow we will be. I'm Christina. I'm Sarah.
1: And I'm Amanda. All right, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Not Your Average Feminist. Thanks for being here again this week. Um, this is Amanda. And I'm particularly excited about our show this week because we're just going to cover a bunch of things that have been in the news lately, um, some things that we just felt like we couldn't ignore. So we said goodbye to the schedule, and um, we're just talking about some some current events, as they call them. Um, and so uh, I want to start, Christina, with um, talking about that Gillette ad that just came out, I guess, a couple of days ago, and caused quite the controversy. Um, so it's about a minute and a half long. Um, I'm sure by now everyone's seen it or at least heard about it. It's an ad that, um, I'm totally blanking on the tagline at this point. Maybe you can help me out, but it basically just goes through, it starts with like talking about the me too movement and sexual harassment and everything that's been, that we've been talking about as a society the last year. And, um, I guess the point of it is, Men need to set better examples for boys because boys are, you know, future men and, um, it's time for men to be better. Do you think that's accurate?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that's what they're doing. It looks from what I gathered from like watching the ad and doing just a little bit of reading on it. It's like an anniversary ad for the, um, what is it? The best a man can get slogan. Oh yeah. Yeah. So they're piggybacking on it. It's like a twenty or 30th anniversary. So they're piggybacking on it and doing a new ad to, um, you know, kind of show the power of men raising boys and men Mm -hmm. showing kind of what society should expect.
1: So were you surprised like by all the backlash we've been seeing or not really? Yes. I think it
0: is similar to the backlash that the Nike Colin Kaepernick ad got. Yes. Yes. I was thinking the same thing. I, it's so similar. Um, if you would have just taken the word toxic masculinity out of the very first part of the Gillette ad, people mm-hmm. would be talking about how uplifting and powerful and how this shouldn't even just be an ad for a small Boys, it should be an ad for all kids because all yeah. kids should be standing up to bullies and trying to make the world a better place and try to be more unified as a country. Um, whereas the Nike ad showed people fighting through adversity. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think it's similar. So I think the uprising and people being upset about it just shows you how divisive the country is at this point. So you think the
1: but you think the backlash is is a little misplaced? Oh, a hundred percent really so that's really interesting because so I like the first day that everyone was talking about it I actually didn't watch the ad because I just I just kind of wanted to stay out of it and I didn't really want to join in this, this conversation because outrage culture is so big right now and I just I think both sides get outraged so easily um, for no reason and um, but so by the time I finally watched it I kind of had a similar reaction at first I was like you know what this ad I don't I don't think it was executed very well and i don't think it's like the greatest ad i've ever seen but it's not controversial and it's not um it's not like slamming men per se and and again this is after i read a lot of stuff like i read the ben shapiro piece about it um and who else i don't i think maybe david french of national review wrote something i'm not Quite sure if he did. Um, But I read, this was, I didn't watch it until after I read a lot of the outrage pieces on the right. And so my initial take was really similar to yours. Like, this isn't that bad. I could see why some people would say that this was even uplifting um, and inspirational. It wasn't until I watched it like three or four times that it really started to bug me. And I'll tell you why. So at about like the 30 second mark, um, the ad kind of pivots from being kind of a, about Me Too and, like, sexual harassment. And there's a line of dads standing behind grills um, chanting over and over again, boys will be boys. And in, in front of them, you see later that there is, like, a couple boys wrestling um, in the yard. And I, I think they're trying to imply that, like, one of them is beating up the other one. Um, but the thing that really gets me is like to me it's not totally clear that it's bullying that's being that's taking place. And to have a bunch of dads standing in a yard just chanting over and over again, boys will be boys, um, I think they're trying to imply that like boy behavior or like rough housing or rough play, like will inherently lead to them growing up to be sexual abusers and um, people guilty of assault. And I don't like that connection. And I think that they're trying to build a bridge between um, behavior in childhood and like really bad behavior as adults. And, and I, I, A, like I, there's not enough time in, in one ad to draw that connection. And I don't think they did it very well, but they made the implication. And that to me is enough to be upsetting.
0: Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I guess I just didn't get that from the ad. Okay. Um, I felt like it pivoted to a point of like talking about the Me Too movement and kind of moving through like issues to then moving into really the bullying aspect of the ad, which I felt was a big, like for me, that was what stood out the most. because really? it so, It's so prolific now. I mean, yeah. you have kids that are seven or eight years old and you see it in the news that are committing suicide. Yeah. No, I,
1: yeah, I definitely think bullying is a huge issue right now, but to me, I mean, but I guess to me, it's like who today is standing in a front yard and who who like knows that there's bullying going on and then, and just saying boys will be boys like that to me is such a stretch and is doing a disservice to a lot of men out there who are actually trying to do the right thing. And it implicates, to me, it implicates all dads. And it wasn't 100% clear to me that it was bullying. And maybe maybe I'm an outlier. Like maybe everyone saw that and clearly thought, yes, that is a clear example of bullying. But to me, when people depict bullying on TV or in the media, it's like, you know, shoving someone against a locker or like pulling down their pants or whatever it is, but like rolling around in the yard... I just don't know. I mean, and that to me was the confusing part, and and it, it, I don't like to me. It's like, okay, are we at a point now as a society where we are going to start pointing out boys that are eight, nine years old and roughing around and saying like, oh, that's a future harasser right there because he's playing rough?
0: I mean, I guess I just didn't get that out of the ad at all. I mean, I think they were pointing out the fact that you know you may not know people, but I mean, I've seen it firsthand with kids getting bullied. I feel like it's almost, to be honest, girls that
1: do more bullying than boys. I was reading about this ad on Reddit and I was kind of going down a Reddit rabbit hole and I copied down this quote from a user. um, And the quote from this Reddit user was, Um, I was fascinated to learn that bullying lies in the province of maleness. I could have sworn I've seen women bully other women, but I must have been mistaken, which kind of goes to what you were just talking about, which is so true that like girls bully just as much, if not more than boys do. Yeah. But I don't see a lot of corporations doing ad campaigns targeting female bullying. Well, I mean, I think the
0: biggest reason that Gillette did this ad was because of the um, anniversary of the branding, the best a man can mm-hmm. get, and they did this to to use their platform to promote kind of like I would say a a good message. I mean, mm-hmm. this is not a message that men should be teaching boys. This is a message parents should be teaching their children. But yes, I agree of, with
1: that 100.
0: Because of the slogan, the best a man can get, they obviously wanted to tie it in. I'm I'm you know I'm sure because Gillette does women's razors as well. Mm-hmm. They, pivot and, you know, do an all-encompassing ad and say- I would
1: love to see that, actually. I think they should totally do a similar ad for female raisers. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hear everything you're saying. I think, like, what they were going for was good. And I agree with the message of men should be good role models and should be better. Um, I do think that's a good message. It's just that part in the middle really threw me for a loop, um, because I'll be honest, as, as you know, as someone I look, I grew up in a house of girls. Um, I don't have children. I'm. I'll be honest. I'm not around boys, but the boys I have seen, like I do have cousins, and they roughhouse and they run around and they chase each other and they play rough and they wrestle and and to an extent, I do think that. Boys will be boys, and it's okay to say that. Obviously not take it too far, but it's okay to acknowledge that and say that. I mean, not think like they're going to just automatically grow up to be future abusers. Yeah. I mean, you know but, what I mean?
0: But Gillette probably also was looking at from a, a pretty smart marketing standpoint because when Nike put out the Colin Kaepernick ad, their sales mm-hmm. increased. I don't know the percentage of increase. Oh,
1: yeah. Um, but their I'm sales...
0: Their sales, um, you know, drastically boomed after the end. Yeah, and
1: I'm sure I'm sure Gillette will probably see a boost. Like even with with all these people saying we're, you know they're gonna boycott Gillette, I don't. I, I usually I, I tend to think that that stuff never really sticks. Yeah. So they probably will see a boost, and and yeah, it probably will end up being a great marketing decision for them. So, what? How do you feel just in general about like the trend we're seeing of corporate brands? lecturing us if you want to use the word lecture but lecturing us on issues like this and morality in general like um, I feel like you mentioned the Nike ad
0: I mean I feel like it's unfortunately something that we're gonna see more of mm-hmm. I feel like we've come to a point in time where everyone's outraged about something I know. and People latch onto it and they're like, oh, we can sell to this group of people because this is our demographics that we want to be selling to. And they're outraged over X, Y, and Z. So let's add this to, you know, kind of
1: get our name out there or go viral Mm -hmm. or however you want it to be. I mean, mean, I'm trying to think of other examples and I wish I had written some down, but other than like Nike and Gillette, I feel like, um, there's just been a, it feels like there's been a constant like barrage of. On both sides. Oh, yeah, for sure. But like marketing campaigns that are lecturing us about how to be better people instead of just like, here's our product and it's awesome and here's why you should buy it. And I think at this point, it's okay to be a little bit fed up with that, to be honest, because I'm starting to feel fed up with it. And I just had a thought since we've been talking about sports, I'm kind of dreading the Super Bowl this year because who knows how many like morality lessons we're going to get during halftime. Yeah, or during the commercial breaks this year, I think like I'm going to keep a running tab. Maybe we should have like bets on this or something like over under. Like I think it's going to be overwhelming the morality lessons we're going to get during the Super Bowl this year. And I, mean, I think last
0: year one of the most <laughs> they they
1: touted as one of the
0: most memorable Super Bowl like ads it was a string of ads by Lump 88 Lumber, and it was talking about immigration. Oh, that's um, right. But I mean, we've gone back and like, you can go back and look and probably one of the most like, probably one of the best ads during a Super Bowl ever, at least in my opinion, was mm-hmm. the Budweiser ad that came out after September 11th, And it showed oh, yeah. the horses bowing down, like seeing where the Twin Towers are missing. Uh-huh. I mean, it doesn't matter. They just it depends on like cue the outrage or cue whatever the,
1: the social topic yeah. is at the time. I mean, after 9-11, yeah. we weren't dealing with. The- well that was definitely more like an emotional like tug yeah. on your patriotic heartstrings yeah. as where, whereas like I feel like Gillette is just trying to tap into outrage and maybe yeah. it'll work out for them like you know I don't think that they spend millions of dollars on ad campaigns like this just willy-nilly I mean I'm sure they did their research and they had a good reason for doing it um it just seems like it's a latest example of a longer trend and and also I should mention um this ad also comes on the heels of backlash over a report that was recently put out um, by the, I'm going to butcher their name. Hold on. The American Psychological Association, which issued guidelines. The guidelines were actually issued, I think last August, but for some reason they're in the news now, but um, uh, they issued a report basically saying that traditional masculinity is harmful, like full stop. Um, and Sarah, I'm going to bring you into this too. Uh, but obviously there's been a lot of backlash to that report.
2: Right. And so the way that they describe masculinity, um, they say it's marked by stoicism, uh, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression. And that is harmful.
1: And Uh, that's how they define masculinity.
2: Yes. And so they also, they go further to say traditional masculinity ideology, Is defined as socializing boys towards anti-femininity, achievement, um, the appearance of weakness, um, and adventure, risk, and violence. All right. Which I I do not see how those are connected. Those are traits. Yeah. I'd I'd say maybe that – I mean, obviously – men are more aggressive on the whole than women. Mm -hmm. They have been historically, but I don't see how that has led to... The larger problem that the APA is trying to diagnose here is problems with just the male psyche, especially when we're talking about um, modern Western democracies with men in them. Um, You're seeing incredible rates of drug use and dropping out of the... The workplace or the the job market, uh, you're seeing suicides increase. Um, it's just it's bad news. Yeah, and, and so, so a lot of
1: this is about them trying to like issue guidelines on how to treat men's mental health, and they're trying to come up with a diagnosis
2: for what's the problem. But I think the problem <laughs> with their diagnosis <laughs> is that they're just getting at the wrong point. Um, they're they're trying to say just the traditional values that men have grown up with in Western societies are are the stem of the problems for why they're feeling so um disconnected today, disconnected for today. lack of today. a better word because of all the shifts that have happened in society in culture with the economy uh you saw this um this will be several weeks ago um when Tucker Carlson went on a rant about oh yeah about the problems I would describe it as i think he said the culprit was really just like the the lowering of moral standards and the indifference of elites that really have kind of like shaped society at large and so it's it's just it's just this whole idea that men are victims and i think that's going to make the problem even worse because Mm -hmm. if they feel like their society has let them down, um, traditional ideas of what a man is don't apply anymore. Uh, we already have a society where people aren't attending church. They're disconnected from their communities. They're not involved in local organizations. Like what are they going to, what do they look for now? If everything's breaking down and deconstructing, that's just going to push more men into feeling helpless and turn to things like drugs or violence or something yeah. like
1: that. And to feel hopeless. Mm-hmm. Cause we already know that, you know, and again, I wish I had stats in front of me, but the suicide rate in America has been going up the last few years at an alarming rate. And the most, the vast majority of people who commit suicide are men. And you have to ask yourself like, why, why, do men go down that path? And maybe there's something to that. Like what you were just talking about of there not being systems or communities or um, like a network or a um, what's the word I'm looking for, like a safety net or something for men to turn to that are struggling with these issues. And, you know, there is something to be said for, you know, the stereotype of, oh, men, like you need to bottle in your up your feelings and be a man and like you shouldn't show emotion or show that you have problems or are struggling no, like you should and you should seek help, but we also – there needs to be a place for them to turn. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at is like the breakdown of society as well, a lot of unintended consequences.
2: I, honestly, right now it's in vogue to just be like traditions and the establishment be damned. Mm-hmm. So if we're completely taking down centuries worth of traditions yeah. and just scrapping it for what this new modern progressive – agenda that is completely untested and undefined Mm -hmm. and very, like, loosey-goosey.
1: Yeah. Christina, what were you going to
0: say? Well, I was going to say with, like, suicide rates, for instance, um, with men being having higher rates of suicide, it's because Mm -hmm. they do it, you know, historically do it in more violent ways, whereas women do not. Um, and I just know this from, like, my husband has his master's in psychology. You know, oh, yeah. A lot of, like, we talk about a lot of things on a very regular basis. Mm-hmm. And um, especially because when he was in law enforcement, he dealt with suicide on an almost daily basis. Mm-hmm. And women generally will take pills Mm -hmm. Um, and somebody in, so normally it's a cry, not saying that men don't do it as a cry for help, but they're able to get there in time to be able to save their lives. Whereas the amount of like suicides by hanging and handguns, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: when compared to women is like through the roof, women almost never go that violent of a route. Um, which is something to say about like modern medicine. I mean, if if you look back at modern (coughs) medicine in comparison to like war, you know, you have soldiers that are coming home that are missing two or three limbs that, in World War II, they would have never made it home. In the Gulf War, they would have never made it home. Um, We're at a point now where life-saving measures are so much superior to what they were. We also have to look at the fact that social media is probably playing a lot, especially when it comes to, like, the younger generation. Mm -hmm. So that, like, early 20s, like, the teens to early 20s, these kids are getting on, you know, Snapchat and sending pictures around and then they're getting tormented over the pictures that they're sending around. Mm-hmm. And then these kids go and they commit suicide or different cultures don't believe in treating mental illness the same way. Yeah. Um, so we're running in, there's a whole bunch of things. Yeah. That- and
1: that's a problem Ooh. across both genders. Like that's yeah. not just a male or female thing, but just to get back to the point of like women and girls struggle with this too. And I don't really see a lot of, I mean, maybe I'm just not paying attention, but I don't see a lot of campaigns targeting women with messages like this. And, and I don't know, like, but, but we're these, I think this stuff is really important to talk about and particularly suicide. And, and I there's no way that we can like really flesh that out on this episode. But um, I just think I understood the backlash against the APA guidelines just because, it seemed to take a very like negative definition of masculinity and label it toxic. And I don't see that as particularly helpful. And, um, on let's see a couple days ago, they issued a statement trying to backtrack and um, clarify as, um, groups are want to do. And they said that what they meant to say was that masculinity is only bad when it says that being quote a real man, um, is to get their needs met through violence, dominance over others, or extreme restriction of emotion, et cetera, et cetera. So they have attempted to clarify. You can take it for, you know, a face value or take it for what you will. But um, at the end of the day, we are having a very real conversation about masculinity and what it means and what is traditional masculinity versus toxic masculinity. I don't think any of us deny that both those things exist, but the question is, what are they? And how much do they overlap? Mm-hmm. And I think no one's doing a super great job explaining those things right now, and especially not Gillette and not the APA from what I've seen. So um, who knows where we'll go from here. Yeah. This episode is brought to you by RumbleUp. Did you know that 90% of text messages are read within the first three minutes? That's right. Stop counting open rates or dialing phone numbers that never connect. Instead, send a text. Rumble Up is the most advanced peer-to-peer texting platform, driving real conversations between real people. That's right, real. So whether you're a candidate running for office, a small business, a corporation, or a nonprofit organization, RumbleUp can help you launch your own texting campaigns. Simply visit www.rumbleup.com to get started today. That's www.rumbleup, and get started today. All right, everyone. Welcome back. Um,
2: on the heels of that fantastic conversation about toxic masculinity, I actually watched the PETA ad <laughs> that we were referencing in the first segment, and it's hilarious. <laughs> you definitely don't,
1: watch it, but you watch, you don't it need to watch it your own. Watch
2: it, but it's <laughs> um, yeah. That's uh, that's one uh, for the for the records. Um, so. For this second part, um, I know we have probably talked your ear off about the Women's March, um, but we want to do a couple updates on what has happened. We are we are the week before the actual march. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple things have happened in in the weeks that we've recorded our last couple episodes, and we really
1: want to just talk about the implosion that is happening. Yeah, right we'd now. really be remiss if we did not talk about this. Um, Even given our last two episodes being just about the Women's March, so much has happened, I feel like, in the last few days. Um, And I think it is very redeeming. I think it's positive
2: developments. For us. For our perspective. Right, for our perspective. For
0: women in general. Yes. For women.
1: Um, So, yeah. So, a lot happened this week. Um, Let's start with the view. mm -hmm. And let's add a little... Of the view yeah. Right so, okay. So just to start off, um, two of the leaders of the Women's March, Tamika Mallory and Bob Land, were on The View the other day. And um, it was a fascinating conversation. It's about eight minutes long, so I'm not going to play the whole thing, but I am going to insert um, a really relevant um, clip right now. Um, so take a listen. We did not make those we remarks. Did not make you can't but put you're place associating ma- with a man and who so does I,
0: what publicly. I will, what I will say to you is that I don't agree with many of Minister Farrakhan's statements. That's Specifically a, that's, about Jewish people? As I said, I don't agree with many of Minister Farrakhan's statements. Uh, Do you condemn them? I don't agree with these statements. At the end of the day... You won't condemn the, it. No, no, no. To be very clear, it's not my language. It's not the way that I speak. It is not how I organize. And I think it is very... Clear.
1: So what you had there was Tamika Mallory being explicitly asked by the co-host, Megan McCain, to condemn Louis Farrakhan. And over and over again, she refuses to condemn. Like, I don't... I At this point, like, there are no words left. How can you pretend to not like endorse anti-semitism when you are on national television and you're asked to condemn anti-semitism and you don't it's just crazy
2: and snaps to megan mccain for just being our like media goddess shout out to megan we love you (laughs) it's just so great (laughs) to have her on the view
1: yeah but she but you can hear it in that clip like she Megan McCain is really holding her to, to task and being like you you publicly associate with him you called him the greatest of all time and these are some of the things that he's said about the Jewish people and about women and and go down the long list and the best that you can come up with Tamika is well those are not my words like I'm sorry but that is not good enough Mm-mm.
2: And Amanda shared this with us earlier this week, but um, if you go look up, it's a podcast that I've really grown to love. It's called Call Your Girlfriend, and it's on all the regular places you would find podcasts, but um, these are uh, two progressive women, and they are in their own right uh, self-proclaimed activists, Mm -hmm. and they dissect what has been happening with the Women's March in the most fascinating way. Um, wow. Give it a listen. They really go into. The I think it's internal- their most recent episode. Is it? Um, yes, and we'll, we'll link we'll in- it in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes, and I mean, they just they dive into the <clears> internal <throat> politics of what's going on right now in the activist world. Yeah, and like, and specifically. Um, Zionism. Yeah, they been a good good section on that as well as anti-Semitism. Yeah, and so. if these
1: are women who um, do not share our worldviews. I think that's fair to say, but they do a, a really decent deep dive into the Women's March um, organization from a progressive perspective, and I think they're really fair. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely check it out if you haven't already. Um, but so that so Bob Bland and Tamika were on the View. A. Um, and another thing that stood out from that view appearance in my mind um, was Bob Bland talking about that Tablet article, which we referenced last week mm-hmm. or and the week before in our episodes about the Women's March. Um, the Tablet article was a long expose that came out last month um, detailing anti-Semitism within the Women's March and kind of going into a bunch of their like financial history and some like scandalous stuff there. But the basic gist of it was – the history of anti-Semitism. And Bland said, I think maybe for the first time publicly, that the source that um, a lot of that stuff was based on um, was lying. So that's interesting. And I think would be probably the talk of everyone if it were not for the Tamika Mallory section. Um, But she called the source a liar and denied any of that stuff ever took place, which is also interesting because here you have one of the leaders saying, um, charges of anti Semitism are not true. We've disavowed all that stuff. We've condemned all that stuff, et cetera, et cetera. And then, like, literally two minutes later, Tamika Mallory is refusing to, to condemn mm-hmm. Louis Farrakhan. So, <clears throat> again, um, we'll link the whole um, clip in the show notes. I mean, if you haven't watched it, take 10 minutes and watch it. It's really illuminating, um, especially in light of, of the march this weekend. Um and on that same note, um, a bunch of people are dropping their partnerships with them. Some pretty
2: prominent partners actually. We got the DNC. Mm-hmm.
1: We have Emily's list. And the Southern Poverty Law Center has has not has dropped their partnership with them. Which is and I know because they're about as extreme as it gets. Um so is Emily's list, which is yeah. insane. And a bunch of the – there's also a really great BuzzFeed article, which, again, will be in show notes, about um, the 2020 presidential contenders not going to women's marches this, this weekend. Avoiding
0: it. Yeah. And it also interesting, at least it happened, I think, earlier – yeah, earlier today. Joshua Molina from the West Wing and Scandal, who has, mm-hmm. like, the West Wing podcast, mm-hmm. who's a very, like, never big never-Trumper. I mean, he's a progressive, came out and basically tweeted That Tamika Mallory came out and was trying to get people to come to the women's March. And he Mm -hmm. retweeted her and was like, caught you on the view. No, thanks.
1: Yeah. I think Tamika was trying to do some um, good old fashioned damage control with that video. I I watched it. Um, I don't know if you guys did, but it's like a two minute video that she put on Twitter of her just saying, you know, we need you to come to the women's March. This is for all women. Everyone is welcome. Blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, you're right. I did see that tweet from Josh and Melina, and I thought that was amazing and hilarious. But like, who would have thought, you know, two years ago that the Women's March would become this politically toxic? Mm -hmm. So toxic that Christian Gillibrand is not attending the 2019 March. The same Christian Gillibrand who said two years ago that the Women's March was, quote, the most inspiring and transformational moment I've ever witnessed in politics dot, 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 because of because four extraordinary women, Tamika Mallory, Bob Bland, Carmen Perez, and Linda Sarsour had the courage to take on something big, important, and urgent and never gave up. So here we have Christian Gillibrand who last night declared her candidacy for president um, praising a someone who refused on national television to condemn anti-Semitism. Right. Like this organization is imploding. Big time.
2: Oh, yeah. It's a political <clears throat> liability. It's great. You might say it's toxic femininity.
1: Toxic feminism? Femininity? <laughs> is that a word? I don't know. So, yeah. So, the last couple of weeks have definitely seen some interesting things with the Women's March. And, you know, the it's, it's common refrain from the last couple of weeks is I'll be curious to see what happens next. Well, I will definitely. Be curious to see what happens next, especially with the march this weekend, and to see what attendance is like. Like, goodness gracious. Anyway, any other thoughts on the Women's March, guys? Um,
2: actually, bets on whether there is a march next year or not. What do you think, Christina? Um,
0: I wouldn't be shocked if there isn't one. I wouldn't be shocked <laughs> if the Women's March was no longer in existence, or if they are – It has all new leadership and they have to go through like the internal struggles of like rebuilding and rebranding and and probably changing their name.
1: Yeah. Which is kind of in line with everything we talked about last week with their yeah. agenda and what they're gonna roll out and what it means like to roll out a political agenda it kind of changes the very core of this of this organization. Well even
2: well, writing it for them.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> maybe that's why it's taking so long. Yeah.
2: I know like the march is a couple of days away and there's, there's no policy
1: agenda. So um, I think next year I could see, uh, first of all, I, I think probably the current leadership will be replaced, but I could also see because it, it'll be an election year, it'll morph into a 100% anti-Trump march. And it'll be more like a get out the vote election type of thing than it is like unite all women thing. Not that it is a United Women thing right now, but you know what I mean? Like, it'll, it'll, I think it'll happen next year, but it'll be explicit. Like, we're about 2020 and we're marching to the polls to kick this guy Mm -hmm. out of the White House.
2: Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. They're tied up in litigation right now. They're um, trying to get Women's March trademarked or Mm -hmm. something along those lines. And there are several subgroups that are um, suing for the rights or f- not for the rights to claim the title, but just that no one owns the title. Yeah. And I think that's right. I mean, the women's March will, I think it'll go down as like a blip, uh, not a blip. It, it'll be, it was a very impactful March when it Initially. happened the first time. Um, it's just fading away now and it's going to just disintegrate. I don't yeah. think there's, I don't think there's any, you don't think there's
1: any hope for it. Mm-mm.
2: The movement will live on, but like, Yeah, and you know what I say
1: to that? Like, good riddance. Bye. Like, honestly, like, good riddance. So that's all I got to say about that. And um, I guess we'll see what happens this weekend. And Mm -hmm. and then we can talk about it on the next episode, and it'll (laughs) be four weeks in a row talking about the women's (laughs) part. (laughs) Um, But anyway, that's all we have to say now. Um, Thanks for listening. And, uh, you know, if you're a woman and you want to – participate in something or be active and support other women then um stay tuned for more information from this podcast on ways that we would like to help you do that in the future yeah um the women's march isn't the only organization in town and they're not the only ones um concerned with women's rights so we hope you come back next week and keep listening and subscribe tell your friends to subscribe and your mom and your aunts and all your cousins and your friends did I already say friends
2: more
1: friends and please leave us a review Um, and until next week thanks a lot thanks bye